Okay, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gets a Shit. Hey, and I'm Dr. Lisa. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, stuck in your home, right? How about that? It feels never ending, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because right now, right now, there's so much shit show out there. It's like, I don't know. It's hard to focus on anything anyway, right? Anyway, thanks so much for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I want to tell you what's been going on with our station. It is incredible. Did you guys hear about the Wall of Lies? I mean, you probably have. So at 12 Grattan Street, which is off the Morgan stop on the L train, there is a installation of the 20,000 fact check by the Washington Post lies as an art installation on the wall there. It's called the Wall of Lies. It's this huge piece. And we we had a uh, live broadcast. We had a thing going out there all weekend. People showed up. And you know what else? Chuck Schumer showed up. Chuck Schumer was on our live broadcast. Can you believe it? We didn't recognize him at first. He had a mask on. Uh, and also, the media has been incredible. You must go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, and check it out. Because it's such a huge hit, we're leaving it up. Come by, look at it. Just all you have to do is Google Wall of Lies on, um, on Google, and it'll come up. And it's made by Tom Tenney. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. My it's made by Tom Tenney and my husband, Bill Bueller. Okay. I, you know, so they, they met through me originally year, several years ago when I started doing this show. So I'm taking, I want a credit for it too. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to take credit because I need all the um, self actualization I can get. So thank you very much. Anyway, today is a incredible day because this is amazing. I have so much talent on this show that I'm afraid that my recording device is going to blow up. No, really, I don't know if I've ever, because I have two incredibly talented people, Lorelai Ramirez and Felipe Depoy. He's from Argentina originally, he moved here. Ooh, you didn't know that? So here's the, so here's the, you didn't know that Lorelai? Look at this. I've got to deal with two, 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 two badass comedian artists. I don't know if I can control the situation and I get, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try. So we're all in an out of control situation with a bunch, with like a monster amount of talent. But the point of having these two people on is they are both, here's what they have in common. They are both, in, they are both really, really funny. They do all sorts of stand up, uh, you know, and scripted. They do all sorts of performing TV, you know, all that stuff. And they're both really great visual artists. And they both have, along with other people who I have their names written down, I'll, I'll tell you before we go. Uh, they have, are you, don't, oh, well, anyway, they both have work up at the Brick Theater, okay? That's what they have in common. They have 
they're both talented comedians. They're both talented visual artists, and they both currently have work up at the Brick Theater, which is at 579 Metropolitan Avenue, and the website is bricktheater.com. So it's a great art show, and I wandered in there last Friday, and I talked to Teresa Buck Buckheister, who's who's amazing. She's she's the creative director of the space right. Um, for the last year or so, and in order to help support the theater and the artists, she put together a show of art by visual and by artists, by performing artists that do visual art. Does that make any sense? I guess so. Doesn't matter. We don't have to make sense here. Anyway, I'm gonna read out these names that are people in the show. Faria Khan, Felipe de Paul, Lorelai Ramirez, Marissa Goldman, Tim Platt, Win Whit Whitley Watson. So hi guys. Hi. Hello. Um, thanks so much. It's so good to have you guys on. So um, you don't really know each other very well, do you? We know each other. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, because yeah. I asked Laurel, I asked Felipe before you got here if you guys knew each other and he said I mean, we, don't ha we don't hang met. out <laughs> no but you know each other's work yeah 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 so um anyway i want you so that we at least know where you're coming from i want both of you to do a little description of your visual and performing work and felipe Will you go first? And can you say your name again? I want I want to hear how I'm supposed to pronounce it. I need a lesson. Go ahead. Felipe. Felipe, Felipe what? Felipe Depoy. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Sometimes I add another last name at the end, but it's it's simpler if you just say the one. Um but uh yeah, well, so I I guess the work that's up at the brick is some comedy animation that I have been making. Some of those videos kind of go back uh through college um so a, a lot of them are written by me some of them i had uh friends kind of improvise um but i guess my work is half sort of animation comedy animation um narrative usually and then the other half is performance obviously now that's kind of frozen because of coronavirus but oh yes um, before then i was just doing stand-up and uh, doing some clowning. And also I have a comedy group called Simple Town um, that was doing sort of monthly shows and plays. And now we're kind of mostly doing video um, that we're posting. But I, those are my two big things, the animation mm -hmm. and uh, Simple Town. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have a lot of accolades here. You had a... Uh... Just, this is big, not 2019 Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Fe Festival New Faces Content Creator Award. That's yes. big. Don't you think, Lorelai? That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? And you moved here. I love what you said before. You moved here with your whole uh, performing troupe from Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah, Simple Town. In New York. Uh, yeah, met in Rhode Island where we were, where some of us were going to school. And then once we finished, we came to New York together. 
Yeah. So you must be easy to get along with. That's what I'm going to say after that. And also you did, <laughs> you did a great, um, video on, or an animation about therapy. Have you been in therapy? What's your point of view on therapy? I like therapy. I've been to therapy. <laughs> Have you been in therapy? I like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been to therapy uh, on and off. Not currently. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. What would but, be what would be something that would have brought you into therapy? Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Um, no. What would have brought family me into therapy? things? Uh, sure. I, you know, the things that bring everybody, I guess, uh, trying to figure out how to handle relationships with others in a way that, uh, makes me feel good and makes others feel good. Uh -huh. Is that romantic relationships or all relationships? Intimate all relationships? All, all relationships. I think it overlaps. I think the okay. skills that I learned in my romantic relationship apply to my artistic relationships. They're, it's all the same. Yeah, that's good. It's so, hard to, uh, uh, that that thing from Arge moving to here from Argentina when you were nine that didn't traumatize you. I don't. I mean, it was sad and it was hard, but I don't. I I no, don't know if I you got over that. that. Not as hard as dealing with other humans. That's true. It's okay, Lorelai, describe your work. My work. Yeah, or or what you do, or it just you know. Ah. Give a, Give them an idea of what we're dealing with. This show is, you know, less than an hour and, you know, uh, you, you know, give them some background so we know where you're coming from. My work is, uh, my work on display are large scale paintings um, that are kind of like mm, poetry mixed with uh, me in the pandemic being crazy making paint shit on i had to express myself well whatever for people listening i have to express myself my emotions through some type of medium so i work in many mediums um i do comedy sometimes i do drawing i do writing i do performance it was mostly performance before now that i don't have that outlet I'm kind of, I'm playing guitar now. Wow. You are learning how to play the guitar. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the guitar. So, I mean, if people need to know about what I do, I do a bunch of stuff. I don't really- Well, you have a lot of different characters. I mean, that's one of the things um, about your performance is that there's a lot of different characters that you do. So where do those come from? What, what part of your personality? Like, I, 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 I find that really impressive that the uh, range of characters that you do are so different from each other. So how many yeah. personalities are living in you is kind of what I was wondering about. Uh, I mean, you know what I mean, Felipe, right? She has like all these di different, oh, yeah. like she does, does everything from like, like a beautiful, sexy woman to like a like a really crummy, angry guy or whatever, you know. So go ahead. Where do they come from? Lisa. So I go by they, them pronouns. So just. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. And I know that. And I am going to do my best to use they. Okay. So I've kind of steered away a little bit from characters. And now they were, I mean, when I last at stand up, they were more incorporated into my stories and into my 
point of view, I was just practicing being more myself um, and letting them come out naturally. Like if I was explain, like trying to paint a picture of something because I felt like pigeonholed a bit in character stuff. Oh. And, and I was getting like, I was getting like requests for like auditions for character things. And I think that's lame and that's not why I do it. I mostly uh. do characters to like, to like make a, an atmosphere of some sort. So it's like, usually my characters have a whole world. They need a whole world with them. And I can't do that in uh, two minutes, like character after character after character, because but. it's more emotionally draining for me. It's not like something I'm putting on for a show. It's like more something that I'm living in for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I have fun. And right. we were talking earlier about uh, mental health and this industry and stuff. And I feel like you have to draw distinct boundaries on where, what, where your energy goes and where you want it to go so that other people don't dictate that for you. Um, and so that's what I started to do with character stuff because it takes a lot from me. I enjoy it, but I was also doing it way too much because I was like, it was, I don't know, in live performance and with my friends and stuff. Um, so I took a step back from that to, mm -hmm. to see how I can make more worlds with them um, and incorporate them rather than uh fully give myself to that space mm -hmm. um, but it might change who knows i'm always trying to like um mess around and try to find new ways mm -hmm. to entertain myself yeah so it seems as if your work that's one thing is very fluid and um i've followed your work for a long time yeah. and it seems seems to really change a lot and i'm wondering like what that journey's about um, the journey, I, well, I, I like, I've always been like that because I don't want anyone to, well, I don't want to be limited and I don't want to limit myself. And I feel like in terms of also how I live my life, like, and how I deal with people and like, Philippe was talking earlier about, you know, like working on ways that you relate to people in like romantic or friendship situations or family, it's all the same. I feel that way about like, you know, work too. It's like the same, it's the same way I approach my work is the same way I approach my life where it's mm -hmm. not, I, I'm not gonna stick to something just cause it work, just cause it works. And when I find myself feeling comfortable for me, that's a, a threat. So I try to, I try to find something else to um, shake things up because I don't like when I get comfortable. I feel like that's boring and I'm like, there must be more. If I can do this with my energy, mm -hmm. I could probably do something else. So that, that's why I started guitar and now I'm like, oh, okay, now I have this space where I can try to, so usually I pick up uh, some kind of tool to express my emotions and I'm like, oh, now I can do it through mm -hmm. this. So I, and sometimes I move, like I have sound stuff I've done before. So I like moving it out of things pretty regularly to keep myself fresh. I don't know. I, I relate mm. to that. I think yeah. That's... And how do you tell us? Do tell. Um, well, I think 
I guess I feel like I'm in some ways just starting out at least in terms of like having my work be seen sort of more widely. And I think that um, I find that I'm asked to, to do things that I, I feel like I'm always shedding stuff. Like I'll make something and I'll like it and then other people will like it. And then be, people will be like, oh, you should make this again. Or like, you should make something like this. And I feel really frustrated by that. And oh. I'm, still, I'm still figuring that out because I think sometimes in, it seems like in the entertainment industry, there's, you know, people are looking for things that are kind of proven and tried. And so it's hard to be like, hey, if you like this other thing, you should trust me that I'm going to make a new thing that's going to be really good because they're like, well, we liked, we liked that other thing. Um, but, I, but I'm also kind of like, um, I, I like, I get a lot of energy from starting new things and from feeling like bad at stuff mm -hmm. and trying to get good mm -hmm. at it. So you're both like always trying to grow your, grow your work, grow, your, grow yourself, grow your work. You know, I call I call what you guys are talking about the William Wegman syndrome. Like he oh, was I love a really, William Wegman. He was a great artist, I think, and I <laughs> like the dogs. But I think that once he started doing that, it was a hit. He got stuck in it. And I don't know if he's really. I know I've heard there. I think a lot of artists get unhappy. So you know. Yeah, I think I think the frustrating. Thing is, I think the thing is like do the thing that everyone likes when they offer you money right like mm -hmm. okay i'll do the thing for money and it has to be enough to be worth it mm -hmm. and then you use that money to coast <laughs> and and then you do really fun things for free you know on the side well i always say you know your art is your children and making money however you make it is a way to feed your yes. children wow yeah. i love that that's crazy that is yeah. that is it that's kind of how i <laughs> Well, I had, I, I think another, one other point of view that I once got on this that I thought was interesting and I've thought about it and I don't know if I agree with it, but I had a professor in art school and he was, he said to me, he was like, he was like, if you're an artist who, let's say only paints pictures of a red dot, he's like, he was like, that will benefit you obviously from like a market perspective because people will know you as the one who who paints the red dot he's like but also <laughs> you will come you will come to know the red dot more than anyone else you're gonna have a knowledge of red dots that no one else has right. and i think there's some truth to that i think it's like hard for me to kind of accept that though i i, I personally feel like young still to the point where i'm like i don't want to like find that red dot i don't want to be like right. one thing but but he was kind of rescuing the value of, of that. And I don't know. Well, you know, that make, I'm not mad at you, but that makes me angry at your teacher because <laughs> that is like the way the art world is set up right now, where you do, and what you're saying about entertainment as well, where you're expected to do the same thing over and over. And the people that wind up getting the, or certainly you know, selling the most work, therefore getting the most uh, institutional uh, acceptance and opportunities are the people who are making the same shit over and over. And yeah, that yeah. frustrates me. It's really bad for our culture. And um, really bad for culture. Um, yeah, I think it, um, this it also is has merits like those people belong some like it's like, oh, yeah, you like it does help to have people around who know about, ooh, okay, here's a formula that for sure will make blah, blah, blah viewers. Yeah. 
like you can incorporate them but i think it's also the problem is like just put newer new people in the room and freshen things up and create a it's like all the hits that were created were it's like you know the simpsons and seinfeld or whatever it's like they didn't succeed um they, they were experiments so it's like it's all about exper it's like I don't know, popular culture is so much about experimentation and creativity. Uh, and I think people forget that when they see money or something. Like, yeah, I, I think also, I mean, we just have such a warped idea of success and shit like that. There's, are, we have bad values in our culture, in our mainstream no, culture is. has bad values. That's yeah. the real problem. Yeah, as we do have bad values, I think that yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I really want TV to make a comeback. I'm like, oh, I was, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, oh, I'm the way I am because of my TV, you know, like, oh. because of TV, because of internet, because of weird videos, like, that's all stuff that you take in. It's like all culture that you're, you know, swallowing. So I'm like, what's the next TV? Like, I want to like what's right. the next thing like a kid in the middle of nowhere is gonna watch and be like, holy shit, cool, you know? Felipe, what's your uh, take on TV? Cause you moved here when you were nine. Did you, did like, what was that like for you? Nine is a very developmental age for TV watching. So what was your TV experience like? Um, well, uh, and the influence I, of it too. I'm yeah. Wondering. Well, I, I was definitely watching TV in Argentina as well, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> was it American TV? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Yes. It was. In fact, um, I have a lot of, um, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of like quotes or like there, there are certain cartoon shows that are really popular here that I've never watched in English that I only know um, the voices in Spanish. <laughs> Like Johnny Bravo and that, I only know the Spanish voices. That's but, so funny. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love Johnny Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Bravo is great. No, I love TV. I really think that I'm, I'm a little bit of um, like my roommate, Sam, he's a guy who like growing up his uh, parents, like, you know, very like limited screens kind of, you know, books are the thing that you should be doing and stuff. But I'm a, I'm kind of a, a, a sort of pop culture person in that way where I'm like, oh, I've, I was really nourished by TV and I think about TV often. And like, um, I was recently revisiting SpongeBob. Um, oh my God. Oh, yeah. I love SpongeBob. Yeah. And I was like, oh, first, this was really formative. Like, so many things I was noticing about how much it had shaped my creative thinking. And then I was like, this is really, really good. Like, it's so yeah. high quality. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a lover of TV. I still am. I love watching cartoons. I think that there's, um, there's a lot to be valued. So there. when you moved to, to America from Argentina, did you, was T, American TV an influence on your, did, did that put a lens on things for you? Yeah, totally. I mean, in Argentina, there is, there is like a, a national TV industry, but most, I mean, if you're watching cartoons, you're only watching American cartoons. Right. Like a big cartoon. So you must have known about the cult. You had an idea about the culture when you got here. Yeah. Yeah. You bit. have kind of a fantasy and then you come here and you're like, Oh, the, the school buses are yellow and kids <laughs> have lockers. And <laughs> That's so and funny. Yeah. 
It's like seeing a celebrity on TV and then seeing them in real life. Oh, they really yeah. do have that cut. No, they don't. They don't have this and that. And yeah, and um, you have these, and you have these weird, also like um, kind of uh, sort of culturally displaced fantasies. Like you're like, oh, Christmas happens in winter, but it doesn't in Argentina. It happens, <laughs> but you're like, it snows in Christmas, and but you don't, you can't like connect those. Connection. That, that's funny. Yeah. So I want to hear you two talk a little bit about what it's like or the influence it's had. I mean, this is, this pandemic's gone on a shitload long time now. Yeah. And um, we were saying how, uh, you know, live performance is one of the things that you, I mean, you need an audience doing comedy, uh, a lot of, you know, you need to get the feedback from the audience in order to improve your work. You need to work with a live audience in case you didn't know that, guys. <laughs> um, think about it. Um, and I want to, but also part of what I think is kind of interesting about comedy is that because everybody's out performing live, there's also a very strong community because you guys all see each other. Now, I'm, I'm, I want to hear you guys talk about what what has changed and what's like and good points and bad points. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, I'm guessing that you probably still see the people you were close to now, but there's probably a whole world of people that you would see at shows that you're not seeing and stuff like that. So so what what what's it like for you guys? Um, uh, lip it. Or, um uh well um yeah i mean i think that uh the comedy scene was my main social mm -hmm. uh space and that has kind of been lost i do have my friends and i have my pod and i get to see them um and I, i'll sort of say the short answer now but i've always been somebody that really liked to be on the computer uh for better or for worse and i get a lot of i really like the internet and being on the internet and um i've been able to obviously i can't replace live performance but i've um, expanded what i do on the internet in a way that it's mm -hmm. felt really creatively mm -hmm. nourishing and how about you lorelei i feel the same um i also love the internet um, I try not to let it get the best of me because it can. I feel like there's some toxic things about socializing on the internet, but I love seeing new artwork. I love meeting. I've met so many new artists through Instagram, through Twitter. I've made friends through there. Like, like it's really cool the people that you get to meet and the conversations that you can have that aren't toxic. Um, and how you can incorporate them into your real life. Uh, I started Art is Easy during the beginning of the pandemic because, and I was doing it every day, oh, maybe wow. like months or something. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. And then I got tired and now it's once a week. And then, it, and then we're shaping it. We keep shaping it to more stuff. And now there's like a tiny little team with it. But it's really just a place to... Uh, do the same thing that we were doing at shows, like create community, uh, play with people. Um, I, I, I told myself, I was like, oh, this, this will be perfect for the thing I've always wanted to do, which was be more boring. Like, <laughs> kind of just like, like, what happens if I just talk like how I normally talk? 
and I don't think about being entertaining and I don't think about jokes and I just let whatever happens happens and I just hang out with people, which is what I've always wanted to do. And so this has allowed me to like do that. And now there's a tiny little community and we're having fun and it keeps growing and it um, and it's like a it's like a nice it's also nice for me to transition personally to stuff that is more um, in aligned with how I live my life, which is like very healing, like everything's about healing, everything's about growth, everything's about care. Um, and then there's always like a tiny little edge of like, you know, ha ha ha, but what if it wasn't, but I can, whatever, <laughs> I'll have to be horrible. So my, anyway, my mom is happy about the work I'm doing now. <laughs> Your mom, does that matter? What does that mean to you? Um, it's do you funny. like her approval? Do you do you respect your mom and like her approval? Do you think she's got makes good sense? I mean, I know what I, it's like. Uh, I told her recently. I was like, oh, because everything's so bad now, all I want to do is make people feel good. And she was like, thank God. Oh, <laughs> oh that's funny. Yeah, because they make such like you know sometimes yeah. they don't make, like uncomfortable jokes. You were the queen. Of, you've been. You have at times been the queen of making people uncomfortable, which is a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, I know. I'm like. I think that's a skill I definitely had to cultivate, like, and like just have. So I'm like, oh, now I have this thing that I could use. It could be funny, but I also don't want to just be that thing because it's actually. I think it was more of a response to like, okay, I'm a lot of people would tell me I was very awkward or I was very unsettling to be around and I wouldn't do anything. I would just like stand somewhere and just kind of like listen to people. Mm -hmm. But it was like how my, my, I guess my gaze is really intense and it's, like, <laughs> it's it something is. I, yeah, it's, it's something I can't control and it's a lot, it's something that's made me feel bad for my whole life. And I've gotten oh. fired from really? job really? because of like the way that I talk, the sound of my voice, the, <laughs> my that's face. weird. Yeah, no, a lot, my whole, my whole New York city work experience had been like people being like, you have to be like brighter, happier. Like, can you like, maybe elevate your voice a little bit? Like, <laughs> like can you just be yeah, like can you more like a machine and less like a person? Yeah. And I'm, I, 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 I so anyway, I mean, that's why I'm, make work i'm like oh, i make work so that you can be like cool work and then you you you'll understand me a little bit more mm -hmm. um and i and my personality won't have to shine because i'm not like that mm -hmm. um but the yeah the discomfort thing was like oh what if this i'm just gonna play with this ability that seems to follow me around um, <laughs> and make people and who you are right yeah but and now i'm like oh yeah I, I maybe maybe i make people uncomfortable because i i really care <laughs> and i'm like because when you're talking to me i'm like i i do really care and i'm listening and and i want to figure out a way to help and i'm like okay so that's that's where i'm focusing now is like how do i help people um like by listening and and by caring and and also like have fun with them throughout it. Um, That's so nice. That yeah. is so positive. That is so fucking positive. Very no, that's positive. great. That is really yeah. good. 
Well, I, I wanted to say, uh, I don't know if you've found this Lorelai, but I, you're, you know, you're talking about like connecting with people through, um, through art is easy. And I, I think something that is sort of interesting that I've noticed is that especially with streaming, um, mm -hmm. live streaming, although, uh, it's surprisingly like intimate. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's almost like more intimate than being on stage because on stage there's, there's a little more of a distance and you get off stage and then you go to the back of the bar or something. But on right. Twitch, people are in their computers kind of with you and in their mind, they're alone with you. Yeah. They're messaging mm -hmm. you. And um, I've, I think it's a kind of, it can be kind of a, um, a, a, a an illusion sometimes of intimacy because obviously the computer <laughs> sort of separates you. But, but at the same time, there is something surprisingly uh, intimate about it. Huh. Yeah. And also like reminds me of, I love the chat aspect of Twitch stuff um, or like of live stuff because I grew up in chat rooms. Like I was yeah. in so many chat rooms, like making friends online, uh, probably not friends that were, you know, it's like older yeah. men, <laughs> <laughs> older men and some girls. I don't know why that I was like, we should meet up. I'm like, what was I doing? Um, I even like, I tried out for this, like, I found, I remember finding this band that needed a lead singer in Miami when I was like, I was 12 or 13 and they were 30. And <gasps> oh, weird. And they came yeah. over my house uh, with a track and my mom was there and they played oh. the track and I had to make up a song for the track and the song that I, because I was really fucked up then. The song was about necrophilia. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so, that's crazy. What kind of music was it? Believe that, Philippe. Can you like, believe that? That's sick. I think, yeah. they were, it was like rock, and they were like, "Oh, they were like, it's." I'm like, I'm 13. Is that okay? And they were like, "Yeah, I mean, Shirley MacLaine, Shirley MacLaine, or it was like garbage. Like she was." 13 when she met those guys like she was like really young and i looked it up and she was super young when she met them so i was like oh yeah okay sure um and then i think i scared i i think i scared them i also gave like i don't know why i did this but now that i'm thinking about it i'm like this was really good that i did all these things because i scared them off because they maybe they were weird um because it was like three older men and i'm like why would you want to work with a 13 year old. What uh, did your mother say? That's what I'm wondering. My mom came with me to the recording studio. <laughs> she, she didn't think it was weird or she thought it was fine or? I mean, my I, I, my mom- She was there and so she thought it was okay. My mom's always just kind of been there for my crazy stuff. Mm. I don't know why. She's just like, all right, let's go. Uh, I'll be, I'll go, okay, whatever. Um, like she has like my weird, like I used to paint a lot of aliens. Like I'm, I'm like, oh, if I was my own child and I saw my paintings, <laughs> I would be scared and rightfully so she has been, but she's also like, wow, you have a lot of skill. I'm going to hang this up. So there's like weird, like abortion, like, no, like miscarriage. There's a big miscarriage painting in my house. There's like a big alien painting that's like oozing with ink um that she's put up which is so sweet 
and she's ah, that is sweet. That is definitely uh, a, a minefield for a uh, child psychologist, art therapy person, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of work did you do when you were a kid, Felipe? Um, what did I do? I made little comics. I uh, I made little videos with my sister where I, you know, like I play like a TV host. Um, ah, so there was videos of that. Uh-huh. Were your parents encouraging or what, what did they? Yeah. Yeah. They thought it was great. They thought it was fun and great. I'm trying to think like. Did what you have they... any artists? You said your dad was a pilot. Um, artists. No, I don't. Family? I mean, my mom was an architect, but she wasn't work. She wasn't working when I was born, and I, I don't really. I never saw her work. So could be um, some genetics in there, though. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I don't know. My dad is a funny guy. Maybe that's related to it. He always oh. to make people laugh. So. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I always like to draw. I made cartoons in my middle school. Like I, I, oh, I was, uh, this is probably more formative. I was also on the internet a lot. And I, there was a website yeah. called Newgrounds, which was like all animations, but they were made by young kids. Like they were made with this software that you could get on your computer. And I spent a lot of time on there and some of the animations were really bad. And some of them were like really homemade looking and some of them were like really fucked up and, um, that was a big inspiration when I was a kid. So by the time I was 12, I was like making these crappy little like two stick figures fighting and stuff like that. I think that was sort of a formative artistic thing. Hmm. 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 Do you have happy tree friends? Did you know? Yeah, I was, I really like. well, I liked them. My actually, that was like the one thing that my dad was like, I don't like you watching that. And he wasn't, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't that uh, restrictive, but he was really disturbed by it. And no, so that was really disturbed. I, I watched all those disturbing, like old and Homestar. It's like a lot of Homestar Runner, yeah. a lot of uh, happy tree friends, a lot of uh, fucking oh my god, what's uh, uh, salad fingers? Salad fingers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then, was a big fan of that. And then the other videos that that guy made were super fucked up. There was one called The Milkman, <laughs> where it's like about it's <laughs> I went and watched it recently again, and it's like it's a really catchy song. It's like I want the milkman to deliver my milk in the morning, I want the milkman to deliver my milk in the morning and then it says i would like the milk from the milkman's wife tits and it keeps repeating and repeating <laughs> I, and, I, and the video is about this milkman this it's, it's about this murderer and rapist who kills a milkman and dresses up like him and then attacks this woman in her house and it's really fucked up yeah. and i used to watch this all the time I remember watching another video by that guy called like Happy Valentine or something. David Firth. Yes, yes, David yeah. Firth. And he and it starts out and the guy's like he he loves he's like I want to give this woman a Valentine. Oh but my then god! He, like yes. opens her up and takes her guts out. I remember watching that and like yeah. closing out because it freaked me out too much. Yeah, I remember seeing that and being like, ah, ha, ha, ah. <laughs> it felt like so fucked up from all that stuff. But it was it was like. What an exciting time it was like to see shit like that, to be like, wait, you can make what? Like, totally, yeah. Like, what is this music with the drawings? And what are, I used to draw salad fingers on my clothing. Like, I would, oh, that's I, would cool. I would like design my own cardigans for school, although it was Miami and it was very hot all the time. 
So I had these cardigans where I drew big salad fingers in the back with like these paint pens and stuff. And like, I was obsessed with, I was obsessed with salad fingers. I see that. I see that style is related to the kind of yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is great. I've got this whole wealth of uh, in content I can go look up. This sounds great. So I miss. Uh, yeah, I've missed. I obviously missed all this. Um, you know what else I'm interested um, hearing you guys talk about? So we were talking about the whole live audience thing, and I'd love to, and the the role that having a live audience and performing for a live audience has in your creative process and, a, and as far as developing, you know, your work and getting that instant feedback and stuff like that. So for better or for worse, I'm kind of wondering if not having that as, as a uh, input or a, 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 you know, tool in your toolbox, how, I mean, how has that changed your work or influenced your work or do you miss it? Is it good? Is it bad? What role of not having a live audience, how has that affected your work? Mm. Go, go either one of you. I, I can, I can start. I, um, I think, well, like I was saying, I, I've replaced it a little bit with the online version of that. Um, and, and, uh, you know, um, there are things like the Twitch chat and likes on Twitter and things like that. And they sort of crudely kind of recreate that or, or they're wow. like a different way of getting that. So, mm -hmm. so in that sense, I've had that, I think with performance, I mean, totally, it's like not a thing that, that I really get to do a lot. And, and, um, towards the, right before coronavirus started, I was getting really interested in clowning, which, which to me was like an especially like audience mm. interactive sort of thing in a way that even stand-up never really felt so dependent on the audience and it was like a, a thing that I was getting really excited about discovering because it was it was I felt I don't after a while I felt with stand-up it was starting to be like okay you write this material you sort of say it if they don't laugh you move on to the next thing but with clowning it was really like you're watching for everything people are doing and checking in and mm. I think that that was a thing I was really excited about just mm -hmm. getting into and exploring more and I was starting to do shows like that um and and it stopped and it's something that I I really miss and I hope that it comes back because I'd like to keep exploring it that's cool. I'm sure it will. And I'm sure you will. Um, is there a sense of like loneliness? I mean, the audience is kind of a character. Is there, do you, do you, do you miss that, that relationship or do you think about that? Or am I just, um, am I just um, searching for that <laughs> myself? I don't know. I miss the energy of the audience. Um, yeah, I, de I definitely miss it because I felt like for me, stand up was a place not for like, I really always hated people who just did jokes and kind of didn't uh, feel out the room. Mm -hmm. I'm very much about feeling out the room mm -hmm. and the vibe and playing with people in the present. So I do really miss that. That was a big part of my life. And sometimes I find myself actually doing that with strangers on the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was wondering about that. Yeah. yeah, it just happens. It's like it's I, I, I played like I play a lot with people just naturally. Like if some mm -hmm. like the other day I was in a thrift store in 
Baltimore and mm. I put a jacket on and this guy was like, oh, wow great jacket and then we started playing like just and it was so fun and i got carried away and the people i was with left to another store and i was still playing with this guy that i didn't know who was like i don't like christian like totally different than me and i was like come to the art is easy chat um, oh that's so funny but yeah i i, I still I, that's, I mean, before stand-up, I, I would do stuff like that all the time, like in public. So I feel like mm -hmm. that's definitely a thing that still lives on in my life, like mm -hmm. interacting with people in a mm -hmm. playful way. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like the people that you do see now, it's probably a smaller group. I mean, do you feel closer with them or have those relationships developed in, in, a, yeah. in a way? Yeah, I mean, I I personally was at a point where I was getting tired of socializing. I felt very bad when I was socializing. Like, I'm not really a social, the most social person. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a I'm not a party person. Like, sometimes I can be in the mood, but that's not my mm -hmm. uh, mo. Yeah, like I I feel very uncomfortable most of the time. So. I was kind of just staying in more. Mm -hmm. um, I was trying to think about like, I was like, who's really important in my life, you know, that I really want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna not, and I'm not gonna give my because I have so little energy, actually, I can't really giving it out all the time. Mm -hmm. makes me sad and depressed and in <laughs> bed. Um, so that's where I was at. So this is kind of like, chill for me. <laughs> How about you, Felipe? Have you, um, you know, deepened any relationships in particular that you can think of? Do you think that's been happening with you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, who do well, you see? Who do you see? Well, I live with friends. My roommates are, are, are they from your, that true? Yes. They're in the group. So you're still well. living with the same people. How long have you been living with them? Well, um, with Sam, I've been living since I've moved to New York. So that's like about three and a half years. Uh -huh. And then with Will, um, we just started. Actually, me and Will never lived together before. So it just but started. Uh-huh. So you've been seeing, so you have that band of people. I have them. Yeah. And then, and then I think I kind of agree with Lorelai where it's like now the people that I see, I've kind of narrowed it down to sort of the, the most important people and also kind of vice versa where the people I see have become the most important people so mm -hmm. I, I think I think yeah yeah relationships have deepened and I think yeah yeah I think that's mm -hmm. a short answer mm -hmm. yeah I think that uh I think I that say, I, I will say that I do miss a little bit like and I I, I think it is tiring but the, I have found myself missing like you go to a party and you know everybody a little bit and you can talk mm -hmm. to everybody yeah. a little bit. Like, I think that was a nice feeling that I have missed and it's hard to get, you know, get that. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go into detail here, but, um, you know, if we were really going to get into like the topic of our sex lives huh. and the pandemic, that could, that's a whole other how are worms? How are people having sex during the pandemic? Are they meeting online, or what do you guys think? You're young people. What do you think? Um, what I, have you been hearing? I've been hearing that. I've actually been hearing. I know. I know that people have been hooking up 
throughout the pandemic. Uh-huh. Matt with their masks on or not off? Masks no, on. I think, yeah, masks on. Masks on. <laughs> so masks everything, on, baby. <laughs> every, everything, <laughs> off, everything but the mask. You take off everything, but you leave the mask on. No, basically, I mean, now people are taking tests. Um, if you mm-hmm. like someone enough and you mm-hmm. whoops crushing and waiting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's where it's at you take walks with people if you want to um, or you just wait because you, that's all there is I mean mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not like a sex I'm not a sex Freak. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm. I was okay. Mm-hmm. How about you, Felipe? What do you think? Uh, I think that uh, the quarantine has forced people into kind of more monogamous style of hooking up. So even people I know who are hooking up, it's like they have sort of the person or the two people that they hook up with, and they sort of yeah. treat them as if they were part of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's kind of ebbed and flowed. I think in the beginning it was a lot of like FaceTime dates, then people started getting more used to walking outside. Now the numbers are going up, and I think I have a friend who's like, I was seeing two people, and now one of those people I'm not going to see for a while. So I think it sort of ebbs mm-hmm. and flows. Yeah, kind of forces maybe it, maybe it's good. It kind of forces you to take whoever you're spending actual time with more seriously. Maybe it's more meaningful because we don't have as many people. Uh, people aren't as available to us. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I have a friend who's like, like just picked somebody and now, and then she's like, oh, he's annoying. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I, I, so, I think, well, I think it's like basically like, oh, one at a time is like, which is my style, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm like, one at a time, and you see, and you move on if it's not working. You, I'm, I'm a monogamous, hap- happily married woman, but I uh, miss flirting. You don't like, flirt? You can flirt as a monogamous person. Why? No, no, I exactly my point. But, like, you know, if you go to a party, you can flirt. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. And like the now, rare times. Now everyone I see, it's very conscious, you know. Oh, planned. you have to you have to do it, you have to do it online on Instagram and yeah, you have to be like, you look amazing, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Replying to people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I it's just it's just easier to flirt in person. You know what I mean? Like the oh, timing, yeah. like you're, and then the mystery, I think that guy thought I was hot. You know, you want to know you're hot. So you're like, oh, I think that guy thought I was hot. But like on Instagram and stuff get a like that, it's sort of post a selfie. I've, I've discovered, I've discovered, I mean, I think it's definitely if, 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 if it's not a language that you're sort of fluent in, it might be harder, but I've discovered a kind of crushing that's really cool where <laughs> I've always had a crush on someone who lives in Europe. I've never met this person. Yeah. I just followed her for some reason. And I said, I said, Hey, I have a crush on you. And then we sort of became friends. We don't talk very much, but I'm like, I don't think I want to meet this person. I like that <laughs> just crushing on her and just talking every once in a while. It's like a new kind of thing. 
that's cute i think that's cute I yeah think i have this newfound space for cute relationships now where it's like it's like oh now i'm friends with people that i was i was like openly like i want to kiss you but also i want to be your friend more than i want to kiss you so let's be friends but also always know i have i i you're kissable you know like <laughs> i think it's so cute like that we should all be like i don't know i i tell my friends like your ass looks amazing <laughs> like i think it's so nice for people to feel uh fuckable <laughs> even I'm if not gonna do it like and feel cute you know and like hot I think yeah yeah cool yeah yeah i gotta yeah i gotta start flirting with my close friends more <laughs> it's like know. flirting doesn't have to be like you know create like i wanna fuck no, it doesn't have to go yeah. anywhere <laughs> uh it could be like just like you look great I'm like, maybe I'm creeping on my friends. Who knows? Who cares? I'm free. <laughs> the, the thing is, though, we hardly ever get dressed up or look. Oh, you know, I, I I, don't know. I think that's that's a tough one, too. Like, I won't wear sweatpants. That's my personal boundary. But yeah. I recently gotten into I put on a nice outfit. I take a picture of myself and I put it on Instagram and then I yes! just wear the nice yes! outfit in my house. And that's yes! it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I get cute for Insta sometimes too. I do, uh, yeah, I'm very much gotten into selfies after after being like, why does everyone do this stupid? And then I was like, oh yeah, it feels really good when somebody messages you hard eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's so funny? I can notice when people are on dates now because like no one's dressed up except these two, this couple that are sitting together and they're way right. too dressed up for where they are. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can really, but, but I've, I've, seen, I've, seen little, I've seen little pods walk around all dressed up and I think it's so cool. And it's like, it really helps me when I go outside and I see someone dressed up, like even just doing groceries or anything. Me so too. now I've made that kind of a part of my life. Cause I'm like, I want someone to look at me and feel the same way of like, oh, life is still here, you know, cause right. this person's dressed up and they look so good. Right. Yeah. I right. love it. Good yeah. way of putting it. Right. So I'm getting my hair done soon. Are you? Nice. Yeah. Because I was I, like, you with, know what? I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to pretend it's like before. Good. No, but we but we are out more, right? You guys out more? Yeah, but we'll be in soon, you know? Winter. Yeah, right, right. What's your feelings on indoor dining? Yes or no? No. 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 No, right? No. You know, besides the fact is like going to a restaurant is like part of being in a place with like a whole bunch of a social environment, right? Now 25% who wants to go to an empty restaurant anyway. Yeah. I like hanging out. Yeah, I feel like I I've the very few I've gone to, I haven't gone to a lot and sometimes Yeah, it's it's been very very few times that I've gone out for food, but if the tables are too close, I don't go. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's somewhere really, yesterday I went to Nowadays and that was really great. Oh yeah. Everything's so spread out. Like you feel so safe. It's outside. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like the only places that can do this stuff are places with enough space, I think. 
like you could it's like oh someone could do like fucking warehouse spaces you know and like put heating and then like open up all the windows and have ventilation like there's possibilities i think people are just being i mean just now there's like it, it's like there's a different um need uh in terms of space for dining and like entertainment purposes so now people have to think about that and and I think so many New York spaces are like about making the most out of a small space and exactly dangerous now. So, yeah. And it's nice being outdoors. I mean, I think it's this, I've enjoyed this. So we're going to have to stop soon. And um, I want to make sure that we um, give like this huge shout out to the brick theater. Why what, the brick theater is special. So what tell, tell us why, tell us why. Uh, the Brick Theater, uh, it, I mean, it was taken over by Teresa and like Vital Joint people, Vital Joint, they've created uh, spaces for like alternative comedy stuff and like alternative theater stuff and experimentation, some good stuff, some bad stuff, basically <laughs> you could do anything, they, they basically gave you space mm -hmm. to do anything, test anything out, it's like, it's so it's so nice having I like Teresa I've known forever um, and mm -hmm. it's so nice it's so nice and so important to have people yeah who, and very rare right yeah very rare people uh -huh. who like, support experimentation and and uh -huh. want to give you space you know there's not mm -hmm. a lot of space out there for that stuff so I'm very grateful forever grateful for Teresa and Vital Joy and volunteer run space like they've lent out space for like you know, videos and stuff like it's you don't it very selfless kind of almost like yes yes off of you um okay I I'm wrapping this up Felipe tell us about um your website what people should go to see Ven uh Vimeo you can also Venmo me if you want um Venmo I yeah <laughs> um. Uh, check me out on Twitter, Felipe Dupoy, Vimeo.com slash F Dupoy. That's where you can see most of my cartoons. Uh, look up Simple Town. If you look us up, we'll just come up. You know, we're on YouTube. Um, and oh, and I do a pod, I do a Twitch stream on Sunday nights at eight called Raisin Man Arena, and we do it live and then we put it out as a podcast. Okay, so Lorelai, go, go. Tell us what you're working. Where where can people find you? Oh, I'm at Pile of Tears everywhere. I have a newsletter if you want to sign up for it. I think it's on my Twitter or Insta. Um, oh, and you're doing it. Art is Easy on Twitch every Wednesday. It's a great show. People should check that out. Art is Easy yeah. on Twitch, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Yes. You're listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I told you about our wall of lies. Go check us out. Check us out on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Thank you.